Hey, we're glad that you're here this morning. Glad you've come on a beautiful, beautiful day. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. I hope you've come. Uh, believing that God's got something to say to you this morning. And I never come to a service. I hope you don't as well to come and pray and ask God, God, speak to me today. Deal with my heart. I don't think there's one of us here this uh, morning that don't need the Lord to, to deal with our hearts and our lives and to realize that uh, God, is, God is good all the time. How many have ever been on a thing called the gray line? A gray line is that they, they, they uh, do uh, different tours, like uh, let's say they do a tour of New York. You know, have you ever been to the gray line? What is it? They, do a, they go like Boston, they do tours in Boston. They do, anyone ever done that? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, you're pretty tourish. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that, but they do all kinds of neat places. I mean, like I talked about, they do the New York and Boston, Chicago, Arcadia. I ought to quit picking on Arcadia, probably. <laughs> That's probably not a good thing. But uh, if you all tour in Arcadia, uh, you need some help. And, uh, but, uh, <laughs> okay. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's okay. It's all right. But uh, anyway, we are, through our Sunday school and now starting on our morning service, we're teaching in the book of Revelation. Can you see with me? The book of Revelation. See me? The book of Revelation. Not Revelations. It's one revelation. Uh, it's a continual revelation that God has, has given to us. Uh, it's, uh, Genesis is a book of beginnings and endings, and Revelation is a book of endings and beginnings. Uh, it's an exciting book. It's a book not about the future. It's a book about your future. Before you understand that, it's not a book about the future. It's a book about your future. When you read the book of Revelation, you are actually mentioned in the book of Revelation may not be by name, but at the end of the book of Revelation, there's two groups, the unbelievers and the believers. That's in the book of Revelation. So you're mentioned in there, so it's very important that we key in to the Word of God. It's, it's a very personal book. It's, a book. it's a book about our lives. It's a book what God is going to do in our lives. And, you know, God never wrote the book of Revelation for us in order to confuse us. And that, that's not what the book of Revelation was given to us. He, he wants us to understand that. In fact, I believe this. And I know a lot of people get really hung up on prophecy one or two ways. They don't want to hear it, or that's all they want to hear. And they look for prophecy conferences, and they look to be able to go here and there to hear people explain the book of Revelation. But the reality is the book of Revelation doesn't impact your life now. It's, worth, it's not worth studying. I mean, if you're simply studying the book of Revelation, it kind of excites you about what the, what the, the uh uh, the future is going to be. It's a very much a waste of time. The reason that we want to get in the book of Revelation, we believe it needs and it will change our life. And God desires to change our life. Not a one of us this morning that doesn't need indeed to have that coming into our life and all. He wrote the book to help us understand what the future is going to be. And, and you're not careful. Sometimes when you read the book of Revelation, you kind of get a little dizzy about all the stuff that's said going on in the book of Revelation. I heard someone say one time that timing is so very important. Timing is, many people believe timing is everything. Doing, have you ever said the right thing at the wrong time? You ever done that? Have you ever said the right thing? Maybe that's where you guys are. But you know, it's important not only to say the right thing, but the right thing at the right time. And I really believe that we're living in some very difficult times. Would you agree with me on that? 
I mean, we're living in some very, very uh, fearful times, and we're living times when people are worried about what the future is going to be like, what's going to happen. Uh, they're worried about what's going on in our world, what's just happened this week with the death of that Supreme Court justice. That's, I don't know if you know, that's a big deal, by the way. That's a big deal in so many ways, and, you know, uh, I... I there's a lot of things you could tie to that if you wanted to. There's a lot of things that, that when you look at something like that, that the ramifications of that is very interesting and all. And it kind of, you say, well, who's in control? Well, well, God's in control. And, and, and we know that there's a lot of things being orchestrated now. And I must admit, some things that are very scary types of situations. And so I believe that this is the right time to be teaching both in our Sunday school and also in our services in the morning about the book of Revelation. God's going to show us how to live and how to work in this world. Uh, we are living in a world that, that we, without question, need direction. Uh, the Bible, the book of Revelation says it's not computers that are going to crash. It's the sun and moon that's going to crash. There's a lot of things that are talking about that's going on. And so let me, let me make this, in every message, a lot of times you'll hear a preacher say this. Are you ready? I even wrote it down. If you don't get anything else out of this book, you've got to get this. Are you ready? There's no government, no computer glitch, no failure that can take away our hope from us. I think it's so very important you get a hold of that. This is an incredible book that we're going to be studying here in the book of Revelation. It's a book of hope. Uh, it's a good thing that we can hope for. Uh, and reading Revelation is a, it's kind of an exciting thing. And if you've read it, it's kind of, you read it and all of a sudden, you know, you, you read about the New Testament, about Jesus healing the blind, and then you read about Paul, uh, you know, the love letters that Paul is writing to the churches, and all of a sudden you hear about a beast that has seven heads and ten horns coming out of the sea. What's that about? I mean, that's a little bit different. It kind of sort of surprises us about when we read things like that. You wonder what's going on. You need to orientate yourself when it comes to the Word of God and when it comes to the book of Revelation. You almost need like a road map. If you remember a few minutes ago, I asked you about the gray line. I really had a purpose in that. <laughs> and so I just didn't want to give it to you. But a lot of times you take tours, whether it's New York, Boston, Chicago, or Arcadia, you know, wherever you're going, you know, generally, if you take a tour, after the tour you've, you've done this thing, you generally have more questions than you have answers because of all the things they talked about. Uh, our goal uh, here as we teach the book of Revelation to you, we, we want you, we hope these next two weeks, which I'm kind of doing a little overview of the book of Revelation, I'm doing so because I want you to have questions. I, I want to say some things to you that you'll walk out of here and say, I wonder what, what's that all about? You mean you walk out there like every Sunday like that, don't you, when I speak? What was, what was that about, you know? <laughs> But I want you to be able to, it's okay to have questions. It's, a, it's okay when we, we go over these things. I, I want to challenge your thinking. And, and how many times do we say to you, don't check your brain at the door. You know, we want you to keep thinking. We want you to be engaged with what we're talking about. We're dealing with end times type of situation. We're dealing with some stuff. You better, you better get a hold of this stuff that we're going to be giving to you. And so I, I really challenge you. Uh, one of the neat things, you know, the next two weeks, I'm kind of giving you an overview of type situation. Then we'll start getting into a verse-by-verse -verse type stuff when we get really down to it and all. But I, wanna, I want you to get excited about the Word of God. Amen? We ought to get excited about reading the Word of God. This book that God has left us, this love letter that God has left us, He's left this book for us to show us how that we're to live this life. You know, I get around folks and they're so fearful about this life. The Bible says God does not give us a spirit of fear. Let me say it again. 1 Timothy 
1.7, God does not give us the spirit of fear. It does not come from God, but love and power and of a sound mind. And the way that happens is that as we saturate our thinking and our lives with God's word, enters, you know, you, it's like computers, good stuff in, good stuff out. You say, well, I want to have more faith. You need to read more books. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that's the reason why we so want you to be engaged with this. We want you to want to, want to saturate your life with this because this will change your life. You know, me wanting you to do something won't change your life. Me trying to guilt you into stuff sometimes works. <laughs> but, but, but that's not how we want to do that. You know, I don't, we're not wanting to do that. We're wanting God's word to come into your heart and life and change your life. Don't be afraid to bring God's word into your heart and life. Don't be afraid to memorize the word of God. Don't be afraid to study the word of God. You need to do that. That's what will change your life. I challenge you about that. Now, a couple things this morning we're going to talk about. The first thing you need to do, you need to understand the background of the book. Who wrote it and when was it written? Uh, it was recorded by John the Apostle. Now, I say recorded because he didn't write the book of Revelation. He, God actually was the one that wrote the book of Revelation, okay? John recorded it, but God is the one that actually wrote it. This book, and I know there's a lot of people who are fearful to get into the Word. To get, now, they're okay with chapter 1, 2, and 3. With the seven churches, they're pretty cool with that. You start to get to chapter 4. And things start changing and all. They get a little nervous when you get into chapter 4. Most people, in their studies of the book of Revelation, they study chapter 1, 2, 3, even churches, and then leave. You know, they depart because of what's getting ready to happen. We don't want you to do that. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 1, 3 that, that God <clears throat> guarantees a blessing if you read Revelation. He guarantees it. Uh, Revelation 1, 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they hear the word of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And what he's saying here, when you read the word of God, you've heard me say this before. You know, some people say that, you know, the truth will set you free. You know, the word of God says that somewhere, and you know I don't believe that. I don't believe the truth will set you free. I believe the application of truth will set you free. I think if you apply what the Word of God is saying, it will indeed change your life. If you simply, there's folks sitting here this morning that know a whole lot, but they have not applied it to their lives. It's just simply head knowledge, but it's not life knowledge, you see. This book is for our life, not just simply to create a religion or a name that we can have. The Word of God is, to, is forming us and into what he wants us to be. And so the Bible says if you'll read this book, it'll, it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, if you take it to heart, it will affect your life. And so I think it's important that we do that. Someone once said that, I wrote this down, that we miss the whole purpose of prophecy if it doesn't conform us to Jesus Christ and our daily living. I thought, yeah, man, that's true. If what we read does not conform us in our daily living to Jesus Christ, then what we're doing is we're wasting our time. Uh, I believe that studying about the future without letting it impacting your life today is a waste. James 1, 12, 22 says, Be ye doers of the word. That's not real easy, is it? We'd, we'd like to talk it, but doing it. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Uh, James 4, 17 says this, Therefore, to him that knoweth the good, to know the do good, doeth not to him it's sin. In other words, what he's saying, it has to be a personal study. You know, you know, hey, come on, guys. 
we have to take some responsibility for our, when it comes to our, our spiritual life. Yeah. I believe the church indeed has a responsibility. I think our responsibility is to provoke you to think or just to provoke you, whatever works for us. And, uh, but to somehow to get you out of your lethargy, to get you out of your zone, if you will. I believe this. We have some responsibility to kind of prompt you to kind of, kind of challenge your thinking. But, you know, you have a responsibility to study to show thyself a proven to God. You have a responsibility to study the word of God. You know, sometimes, well, I don't really understand it. No, you In the day that we're living in today, that is so, there is so much stuff out there that will help you when it comes to understanding the word of God. You know what will really help you? This time, you're going to really like this. I've dug deep for this point. You know what will really help you to understand the word of God? Why don't you read it? Are you writing that down somewhere? I mean, you know, I just don't understand the word of God. How much do you read? Well, I don't. I think I know your problem is. You know, you might want to start reading the word of God. I mean, get it. You, you, you'd be amazed. You know what you're going to find out? It's not that you don't understand it. You just don't want to do it. <laughs> That's what it is. I don't want to do what it says. So it's easy for me to say, well, I don't understand it. Now, for believers... A knowledge of what God's going to do in the future does several things for us. Let me give them to you there in your notes. There's five. Number one, it promises joy even in the midst of affliction. <laughs> now, you need to get a hold of this thing. You, you, you know what we generally take out of that script, that thought? We take the joy, but not the affliction. You see, we believe that if, you, if you're born again, I mean, you're serving God and all that kind of stuff that's important, that you're not going to have any problems. You sometimes look around at different couples and people and say, well, those folks don't have any problems. They do. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light afflictions, but for a moment, praise God for that, worketh for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. We're going to have some difficulties, some problems. You know that there's no such thing as a problem-free life. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Where is it? <laughs> I always hear people say, well, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. There you go. Number two, having knowledge of the future, it cleanses us and encourages us for daily living to be the kind of people God wants us to be. I mean, you know, hey, tell you something right now. Once you understand that, it, it helps you to, you know, I think people call it putting things in perspective. Putting things in perspective. You know, if the Lord's come back, you know, that ought to cause us to live differently. And so, it, 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 it cleanses us. It helps us when it comes to our daily living, realizing what's coming up. Number three, it gives us facts about life and death that result in hope in our life. You understand what the future is holding. You know that song, this world's not my home. I'm passing through. And, you know, I think it's important to realize that we get some facts about life after death and the results. It gives us the hope that we need. Number four, it gives us proof of the, re the reliability of Scripture. Was it 1948? Something happened in 1948. What was that? That ought to give you a little bit of hope, shouldn't it? The Word of God said that was going to happen. And before, in 1947, 46, they were still thinking that wasn't going to happen. How in the world could something so, so unbelievable, so, so impossible, I mean, how in the world could Israel become a nation, yet we find the Word of God said it would happen, and when it did happen, I tell you right now, uh, the blessing of that situation, because that is taking place, God has fulfilled that area, we see he'll fulfill everything else he says he will do. And so therefore, that gives us hope. 
We have hope because what God has said, He is doing. I realize, you know, you quit listening to the debates on, on, your, on your TV, you know. I know that you, you see that stuff and they're not, gonna, they're not doing what they said they will do. They're doing what they think you want to hear. God says what you need to hear, he'll tell you. And he'll tell you the truth. And we need to be understanding that. And once we understand what God's word said, just because other folks necessarily don't tell the truth, God's word does. Gives me hope, you see. Number four, it gives us proof of the reliability of scripture. And number five, it draws our hearts in worship toward God. As you study the book of Revelation, you're going to hear the word worship. Now, I know that you don't, you know, when we think of Revelation, we always think of the, the vials and the trumpets and the, all the stuff getting ready to happen. But when you really read the book of Revelation, worship is coming up a lot because Revelation is a book about worship. Uh, the Revelation is going to talk to us about how to draw closer to God, and, and we need to do that because in eternity we're going to be worshiping him. Uh, this book was recorded by John the Apostle and written from a place called Patmos. Patmos was a Roman prison colony, like Alcatraz, except in America, now we charge you money to go to Alcatraz. I mean, only in America do we make money off prisons. And, uh, and so, but, but this particular place, this, this Patmos, that, where John was, it was a terrible place. And we find that the Roman government sent him to, uh, to Patmos, this, this Roman colony, this, this, uh, this, this island, prison island. Now, you've got to understand this. You know what happened? The Romans were getting smart. You know what I'm saying? Remember what happened to Paul? They sent Paul to Rome, and they chained him to those, remember they chained those guards? And what happened? He won those guards to the Lord. And he won other folks to the Lord. In fact, when you start studying about Paul's life in that particular time of Rome, he would turn the place upside down. I think that the Romans were, were getting smart. Uh, they realized, we don't want to put Christians among other people. They're going to talk to them about Jesus. Or at least they should, shouldn't they? And that ought to be true today, shouldn't it? When we get around people, we ought to talk about who, who, who really cares who, who, who wins different games. What's what we ought to be concerned about is do they know Christ as their personal Savior? You know, when you see someone, that'll be one of the thoughts that come into your mind. How can I share with them the, cli the claims of Christ? And so we find the Romans got smart and they took uh, John and stuck him in the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he ex they exiled him. You think about this. John was the, was the last guy, by the way. He was the last of the apostles. He had, uh, when you follow his life, he was a very godly man. He was the elder uh, statesman, if you will, to the church at the time. Uh, if you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you read about how he encouraged the church, how he, how he was, was, was all he could do to be a blessing to the church. And yet now we find uh, certainly he, he's, he's uh, finishing up his life and his ministry, and he's in this island. I mean, you know, you, you, it would have been easy to feel sorry for yourself. Now, I know none of you all feel sorry for yourself. You know folks do, though, don't you? They may be sitting close to you, right? And you know folks, but here's a guy that was faithful all his life. I mean, he, God had used him in a mighty way. He, he used him to, to record some of the scripture. Uh, he was an encouragement of the church. And now he, all these things he's done, you'd think that he's gone to an age that he probably would retire to some type of reward type of thing, but that's not what's happening. He's in, he's in this island, and it's a lonely place. It wasn't like, it wasn't any country club. And, you know, he must have been thinking some pretty difficult things. Why, why can I finish my life, my ministry in some way where I can impact people's lives for God? Why in the world, God, do you have me on this island? 
John was a human being, and, and I'm sure he, he certainly felt those kind of ways. I mean, maybe you kind of feel that way sometimes. And he said, why would God, you know, I hear you use me all these years. I've been faithful to you. I've been, you used me to record the word of God. And now I'm, I, I'm, I'm in prison on this island. What's this all about? Are you through with me? What happened? God took John to heaven and showed him things. The future that was getting ready to happen. I mean, his most unbelievable ministry was happening then. He took them up into heaven, and he showed them all the things that were getting ready to take place. And today, we're reading the very things that John saw that so many years ago. And I'm sure that when John was stuck there in the island, I'm sure he probably thought, hey, my life's over. It's done. It's through. Maybe this morning, that's what you're thinking. You know, I've been in, this April, we'll be here 20 years in uh, in Port Charlotte and the sunshine. Uh, I've been in Florida uh, since uh, the, end of, the end of the 60s. We escaped for a few years and came back. And, uh, you know, we went up to Illinois. Didn't last long up there. And, uh, you, know, you know what Illinois is like, I'm telling you. It's a cold place, particularly when the crops are all in. The winds come to the, it's awful. Anyway, but the Lord brought us back here and all. And uh, what we're grateful for. But, you know, you get to a place sometimes that, you know, because of all these years I've been around, I've seen a lot of people come from the north that used to serve God. They were deacons and trustees and Sunday school teachers. They were faithful at their church services. They were faithful in their giving. And they come to Florida and quit serving God. Let me give you a thought on that. If you're doing that, shame on you. Shame on you. Why in the world do you think you're still alive? I mean, you know, we, we, you know, I find people trying to create ways in which to live their lives and to give their lives. You know, we, we fill our lives, but we don't fulfill our lives. If you want to fulfill your life, you stay serving God. Whatever. Hey, as long as you're alive, God's got things for you to do. John may have thought, my life's over. No, John, the most exciting thing ever happened in your ministry is getting ready to happen. You thought it was over. Man, we're going into overtime. It's going to be exciting, and you can imagine, he probably, you know, I, he probably got there and feeling a little bad, and all of a sudden, you know what this is? Rapture practice. <laughs> but he didn't do it. He went, whoo! Man, God started revealing what he was getting ready to do. He took John to heaven to share with him, because you're going to go back and record this for you and me. So let me encourage you this morning, if you don't ever think God is through with you, God's not through with you, God's got things that he wants to do in your life, and you need to get ready for that. You ought not come and sit and soak. You ought to come and how, see how God can use you. That, that, think about it. When your life was the most fulfilling, you're serving God. Now, a final thing of understanding the background of this book, it's a prophetic message. Prophetic means it looks toward the future. It foretells and foretells both what God is going to do in an apocalyptic form. You know, we, we hear the terms apocalypse. When you hear apocalypse, you think about destruction. You know, there was a movie years ago that talked about that. And when you hear that kind of term today, apocalypse or apocalyptic, we believe that something really awful and, and, and uh, destruction is coming. But actually, apocalypse simply means to unveil, to unveil, 
or revealed. It, it really, apocalypse simply means he's pulling back the curtain and showing you something you hadn't seen before. That's all what that, what that terminology means. And you've got to understand uh, when this was written, when you start reading some of the things in the Word of God, particularly in the book of Revelation, they look a little weird. But the people back then understood what he was saying. That's why when you're studying the book of Revelation, you better understand what was going on back at the time it was written. And that's why you need to understand, that's why you need to read the Old Testament. Because over 300 of these, of these symbols are talked about directly or indirectly in the Old Testament. That's why it's so important that you read the whole book, if you will. You know, you can get confused if you don't spend a little time uh, finding out why it was written, uh, understanding what was going on at the time, and, and realize that this is a book of prophecy and message and apocalyptic in form. And I think it's important to realize that all that, when we see the word, see the word apocalypse or apocalyptic, we're just talking about symbols. These are simply symbols that are in the Word of God, particularly in the book of Revelation. I kind of wondered why God would do it that way but again, if you understand when it was written, it was written when the Roman Empire was in power. And if you had picked up the book of Revelation and read it and didn't have these symbols, you would understand that the Roman Empire was going to be overthrown. And that would not have gone well for Christians. So I believe it was a protection, one thing, a protection for Christians. And also, because of the symbols, it's actually timeless. We can also see it and we can understand it today. Now, you've got to be careful about symbols. Uh, if you don't, uh, you can get yourself really messed up. That's why it's important for you to study when it was written, why it was written. I, I think it's very important to understand that if you're not careful, if you, sometimes I, I find people when they start studying the book of Revelation, they start getting all kinds of weird uh, interpretations, kind of out of their head. Let me give you a, a law of uh, interpretation of the Bible. It's called the law of common sense. <laughs> this is called the law of common sense. When you, read the, when you read the Revelation and it seems to make sense to you, don't try to make it say something else. Uh, he wants you to understand the word. That's why he wrote it. Now, in the book of Revelation, you're going to find sometimes he explains what he's talking about. Uh, there in Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, Satan, right? That he explained uh, who this great dragon was. Uh, some of them, like I mentioned a moment ago, a number of them are explained in the Old Testament. Uh, and so it's important you study the word of God. Now, the purpose of this book, all the symbols... All the pictures, it isn't to confuse us, it's to give us confidence. Let me give it to you. The purpose of the book of Revelation isn't to make us wonder, it's to cause us to worship. That's why it was written. It's not made, he doesn't want us to wonder about what's going on. He wants us to understand it and to worship. It's overflowing with hope. And over the next several weeks, we'll do a lot of studying of backgrounds and things of this nature. So this book of Revelation is a book of worship. The second thing is this, don't miss the emphasis of the book of Revelation. The main deal, if you will, the important thing. Now, I realize the beast is important. He's mentioned 37 times. The throne of God is important, mentioned 41 times. The angels are important. They're mentioned 71 times. The most important character over page after page and chapter after chapter is Jesus Christ. You'll find him being talked about over. He's a central theme. Uh, to, to miss that that's what the book of Revelation is about is like going to New York Harbor and looking at the boat. And don't see the Statue of Liberty. It's like going to Mount Rushmore and say, aren't those trees pretty? And miss the sculpture that's up there on Mount Rushmore. 
It's like going to the Grand Canyon and looking at your feet and seeing the ants make their way down the valley and not take a moment to look out at the vista and the beautiful thing of God's creation. We've got to understand when you study the book of Revelation, it's all about Jesus Christ. When you go through the book, he's the one that brings hope. I know some folks, when they start studying this book, they want to study about the, all, the, all the evil things that are getting ready to happen, and there's some bad stuff going to happen. You, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, particularly when you get to chapter 4, moving on through, there's some stuff there that's real scary. And a lot of times, all folks do, they'll read the book of Revelation instead of those evil things. And they, but they don't understand the major, the majority of the book is about the great things God is going to do through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the hope that comes from this book. So without that emphasis, we're in serious trouble. Let me close with this. The reason that we have church today is because of Jesus. That's why we do it. Uh, the reason why we support the Christian family, the missionaries to Taiwan, is because of Jesus. The reason we support other 28, 29 missionaries that we have and looking to do more is because of Jesus. The reason why we do the, the reason why that we have five acres that we are, that's doing nothing over there, that we're going to turn into a core project and using what God has given to us already, which is the philosophy of our ministry, the reason we want to reach the, the, the boys and girls and couples around this area, we're doing it because of Jesus. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And if that's not the reason, then why in the world do we keep doing it? Oh, I got it. We're religious. I don't know about you, but religious, I think it's in the Greek. Religion stinks. That's somewhere in the Greek. I'm not interested in getting someone religious. All religion is a temporary fix. Religion just, just kind of soothes the conscience, but it doesn't change the life. This morning, I want to know, what do you know about Jesus? How involved is he in your life? I can answer that for you. He's as involved as you want him to be. There's a, there's, a, there's a thought that the Scripture talks about, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I always wonder what that actually means. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. You know what that means? It means someday I'll. That's what that Scripture means. Someday I'll. Someday I'll be saved. Someday I will serve. Someday I will be obedient. And pretty soon, someday comes no day. Now guys, you that are a bit more mature, old. In just a few months, I'm going to be 70 years old. Where'd the time go? I can't believe it. In my mind, I'm about 21. feel the love <laughs> and I can no I can't some people are legends in their own minds I got it but you know you may be here this morning and you've never really trusted Christ as your personal Savior oh I don't mean you're a bad person you probably try to do what's right you mess up but you know how you excuse it I'm only human and we mess up so I got that don't bring any peace though does it <laughs> that that emptiness you feel in your heart that's 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 a god space that's not being taken care of you may have you may have come to this church a long time or some other church but you don't have really assurance in your heart if you would die right now where you'd spend eternity and, and i'll tell you 
What a sad thing to leave this earth without an understanding that Jesus is your Savior. So this morning, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I challenge you not to walk out of here. You don't have to come forward. Uh, won't see me afterwards. Uh, see Pastor Dale afterwards. He's that small guy over there. And, uh, but see, we'll, we'll hang. We'll hang around. You know, you, you don't, say, I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable walking down the aisle. That's fine. We'll be right here. You know, I, I, you know, I can be here. I, I, I have any place to go. We, we, we'll hang, and we'll talk to you about the Lord. We'll give you the word of God so you can know for sure heaven's home. Now, you want to come, and we'll take, have someone take the word of God and show you how to be saved. We want to do that. But you're here, and you're not sure about that because you have the someday aisles going on. Someday aisles serve God. But you're not doing it. You're barely coming to church. And some of you here used to really serve God. You used to be here. But you're not now. And that's why the joy's not there. You know, say, I want to serve God. Where can you use me? How about that? I, wherever, I just want to serve God. Maybe God is speaking to you about some areas in your life that you're, not, you're disobedient about. You know, you heard me say before, hey, come on now. If you're truly born again, you know what's right and wrong. Come on, guys. Let's not, let's not be, act like that's not true. Sure, we know what I'm, I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing wrong. Come on. See, once you get, once you're saved, that that's the Holy Spirit, that's the salvation. He's living inside here. You tell him he's not going to say, hey, 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 quit doing that. Sure he does. Sure he does. Well, maybe this morning what y'all do is 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What are you talking about, Reverend? Repentance, not remorse. Repentance. I'm going to do something about this. I'll say, what's the first step? Confess it to Jesus. Say. The book of Revelation is about Jesus. So this morning, what are you going to do with that? The Bible says I have a responsibility to give forth the word. And he tells me, promises me, it will not return void. And so then every one of us shall give an account of ourselves to God.